Do you know, we're in big trouble, Ashley, Laura. Big trouble. Why? It's bigger than big trouble in little China, I can tell you. Right. There's more trouble than trouble with tribbles. Oh, yes, I was reading Den of Geek this morning, as you do. Do you read that website? What website? Den of Geek. Never even heard of it. Ah, it's all about movies and other kind of geek-related stuff. I only subscribe to the movies RSS feed. Because it's where you hear about trailers and spoilers and, you know, new film stuff. I'm not that big a movie fan. I am, but I don't like spoilers or trailers. Oh, trailers are good. No, I like to go in completely cold. Yeah, I'm like that with video games. There's a new Star Wars trailer out today. Meh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a Star Trek person, not a Star Wars person. Well, I think I am probably as well, but... You know. Wait, this really surprises me because there was a new Jurassic Park trailer out the other day, yesterday, maybe a couple of days ago, and everywhere I went, people were talking about it. Whereas I haven't heard about this Star Wars trailer until right now. Well, it just came out today. Jurassic Park, came, the trailer came out. Did you not just see the internet exploded with dinosaurs? Well, not really, because I only follow 50 people. Oh, I so. saw a lot I saw a lot today about Star Wars stuff. I think it depends on who you're following, really, doesn't it? Maybe. So you followed people that like dinosaurs more than they like Star Wars. That's weird. So what's the big deal about this trailer anyway? It's Star Wars. Yeah, it's got the Millennium Falcon in it. I think you're talking to the wrong people about Star Wars, don't you think, Laura? Yeah, I'm a big sci-fi fan, but Star Wars is, I draw the line before that. It's more fantasy. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about Star Wars anyway. I was going to talk about the fact. It was just a digression. I saw a trailer for this new film with Vince Vaughn and others, right? And I'm not a big Vince Vaughn fan, to be honest. I never really find him funny. And guess what this new film's called? What? Oh, it's like creeping silence. Unfinished Business. Oh. <laughs> I know. Can you sue them? What have they sued you? Say, maybe we could, maybe, no, well, we've been out for much longer than that. So I'm I, I wonder if you have better search engine juice than they do. Well, it's quite possible. Um, but at least we've got the, you know, we've got the unfinished, well, you can't get unfinished business as a Twitter handle. Why not? Who's got it? Uh, I think it's actually too long. I think it's over the maximum number of characters. That's really annoying. Does that, that happen to us with our podcast? And does that not annoy you in terms of consistency? Yeah, and I don't know whether or not it's changed at some point, because I'm sure I remember um, registering a longer one years ago. Yeah, I think it has changed, actually. I, I remember registering quite a long username in the past, too, so I think it must be a new a new rule. You know what Twitter's like with its, its rules. It says here on Den of Geek, Vaughn is joined in unfinished business by Dave Franco and Tom Wilkinson, and it tells the story of a hard-working small business owner who takes his two employees off to Europe. It's actually Berlin in the trailer. There they try and impress the people they've done a new deal with. Hilarity, no doubt, ensures, and no least when their rivals for said deal turn up. Oh, my God, that sounds hilarious. It doesn't sound funny at all. No, no. I didn't <laughs> laugh once in the trailer. Oh, I didn't even sense your sarcasm. No, terrible. So, yeah, we should sue. Well, just bear in mind, they'll, they'll have a lot more money for better lawyers than you. That's okay. I think I'm going to represent myself because I could do a good job in court. <laughs> How do you even know that? Rumpole of the Bailey. What? You have no idea what I'm talking about, have you? No. 
You have to watch like, oh no. Oh yeah, there is a British version of Law and Order. Watch a lot of that. It's got the guy from Battlestar Galactica in it. It wasn't good. I did see an episode. Yeah, I tried one and oh, it was awful. I was just holding my hopes out from for the Battlestar Galactica guy, but no. I don't watch a lot of regular TV, but I do watch Special Victims Unit if it's, you know, if it's on at the right time, but otherwise I can't be bothered. God, it's quite traumatic, that one. Bit like Ice-T's own podcast. Have you listened to that? No, I've heard you talk about it before, though. Oh, no, it's excellent. Ice-T's final level podcast. What does he talk about? He talks about Law and Order and movies and video games and general kind of rap stuff. And he has guests on that talk about rap stuff. Oh. He's a rapper. He's good. It's, it's, I really like it. Every two weeks, final level. That's so bizarre. And, and, and just yesterday I found out that this is kind of related, but kind of not related. I was just thinking of musicians who are doing totally random things. So did you know that, right, come on, remember Andrew WK? Yes. Yeah. Do you know that he's a motivational speaker now? Yeah, he follows me on Twitter. No. <laughs> yeah. Why? I I quoted I quoted him in a pastry box um post because he wrote he has like an advice column and he writes really cool stuff. And so um yeah, I quoted one thing and he ended up uh, following me on Twitter, which That's is pretty so cool. That's so bizarre. Yeah. So but doesn't he just talk like I think his motivational speaking is all about how you should go out and party. <laughs> yeah. I love that he's just following that line. Yeah. <laughs> just one song that did really well and he's just going with it. He needs to come up with some new material, man. I think he has has got other albums and stuff, but Is Andy lost? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I'll send you a link, put it in the show notes. <laughs> I'm just letting you get on with it, to be honest. You would know this song if you heard it, I think. Well actually, would he? I don't know, because I think it was probably out when we were teenagers, wasn't it? You're gonna make him feel old. Unless it's country music, I haven't listened to anything since 1977. Okay, he won't definitely not have heard of Andrew W.K. then. No, or Ollie Muse. Where does he come into it? I don't know, he was just somebody that I saw <laughs> on the internet, referred to the other day. I think he was on X Factor. I think he lost X Factor. Yeah, but I think anybody who does do relatively well after X Factor is somebody who's come second or third. I may be mm. wrong, I don't watch it. No, neither do I. I'm very proud of that fact. So I wanted to get you both on the show together for a little while. Because my idea was, back in the day, that we'd have a three-way show. I kept wanting to write threesome in my uh, show notes. Yeah, don't, don't do don't. that. <laughs> We're not going to do that. A three-way show when it was my holiday time. And the idea was is that I would sort of hand it over to you and then pick it up when I came back. But that didn't happen for some reason. That was my fault. I can't remember why, but it was my fault. You're busy. So anyway, I've got you now. So something to kick us off. I now feel truly, truly vindicated. Now that I know that I am not the only person that gets annoyed by silly burgers. Who's the other one? Well, no, I saw... Um, it was actually Matthew James who It's Matthew... No, it's Matthew J. He is on Twitter. Uh, sent me a link to an article in the Independent. I think it was yesterday. Um, entitled "The Yorkshire Pudding Burger is the latest stupid burger." 
But I don't understand why it concerns you so much, Andy. Well, you know, I like things to be right. And a burger <laughs> has to be a certain way for, you know, for things to balance in my world. I'm quite intrigued by what the flavour of it would be. Because to me, Yorkshire puddings more go with chickeny things, not beefy things. No, you have Yorkshire pudding as part of like a proper Sunday roast. Roast beef, Yorkshire pudding. It's not chicken. I'd quite happily eat Yorkshire pudding with anything, though. And, that, and that's why I think, like, texture-wise, it could work as a, a burger surrounding, but I'm not sure about flavour-wise. It says here, and this is a quote from The Independent, Another day, another burger made out of something other than buns. The latest sees bread being switched out for Yorkshire pudding, creating a sort of Sunday roast burger. It's served by Rift & Co. and was the brainchild of bar manager Jeremy Rose, who said, I've seen the donut burger on the menu in a Leeds restaurant, and I thought I wanted to try and do something different. The new menu will have a big burger selection, but I wanted something that stands out on the menu. Well, I don't think it would be that unusual, would it? Well, in Yorkshire, you get Yorkshire pudding, but not in a burger. It shouldn't be called a burger. Okay, what should it be called? Well, it's... So, like, you mean a brand new type of food? It should just be a Yorkshire something. A Yorkshire sandwich, I guess it is. A Yorkshire sandwich could be it. My nana, bless her soul, used to make big Yorkshire puddings in, like, um, almost like in a loaf tin or, like, a big square, like a, you know, it's a roasting tin. Hmm. And they used to be big. We used to call them hat Yorkshires when I was a kid. They sound great. It was beautiful. Because you know now, every every Yorkshire pudding just looks like Aunt Bessie's. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hate it when you go around someone's place and they bring out the packet of frozen Yorkshires. And you're just like, oh, so disappointing. I know. Whereas what my nana used to do, she used to be able to mix up a proper Yorkshire pudding because she was actually from Yorkshire. And she used to make these brilliant, big, hat Yorkshires. And sometimes they'd be savoury because you could have them with, you know, liver and onions. She used to do... Um, liver and onions in a Yorkshire. That was lovely. And then sometimes she'd do Yorkshires and they'd have chopped apple and raisins in them and she'd serve them with golden syrup. Oh, that sounds really interesting. I like that. That'd be yeah. lovely. I know. So and they were all just Yorkshires. So, you know, you put a burger in it, it's still a Yorkshire. Yeah. So where, where does this restaurant? Uh, Leeds. Are you going to go to it? No, am I heck? <laughs> and this is also where the donut burger is in Leeds too. Uh, There's lots of places with donut burgers, I think. I, yeah, I just thought that it was a Brighton thing, but apparently no. Well, That's I haven't brioche. seen it in Glasgow, and considering we are suckers for gluttony, I'm surprised that all we've got. Is there are a deep fried burger? There, oh, there probably are? will be. That wouldn't surprise me. But I've not seen anything like donut burgers or. I've not seen anything too adventurous. And I don't think I'd even try one if I did see it. I'm quite, uh, I'm quite one of those really boring people when it comes to food. I like vanilla ice cream. I like pepperoni pizza. I'm not exciting when it comes to food. I don't think I'd order, and I love donuts and I like burgers, but I don't think I'd order a donut burger. See, my thoughts exactly. Oh, I'm, I very adventurous. And the other day I ended up trying a cronut. Which is the cross between a croissant and a donut. That would be lovely, was it? It was, and it had like filling in it and, and icing on top as well, and it was chocolate orange filling. 
Oh, and wow. it was amazing. And as the guy, he didn't sell it very well. It was in a cafe. This guy was like, we were, we were like, what's that? And he was like, it's a cronut. It has about all your calories that you should have in one day. Oh my goodness. Did that not freak you out being a fit, like being into your fitness? Yeah, but I was about to go to the cinema and I always eat badly at the cinema. <laughs> so just sort of fell in with that. We started off by having like a tiny, we shared one between us, started off by having a tiny piece each. And then we, then I, snuck it in a napkin when I took it into the cinema and then I ended up eating the whole thing. Cinema calories don't count. No, they can't because I'm awful in the cinema. It's my bad place. Can you get these cronuts and like, uh, could you get them if you went into the supermarket, could you get them in a packet or are they not? Are they unusual? They're unusual. Apparently there's this one guy that does them in Brighton and the cafe don't do them themselves. They get them from this one guy and they only have them on a, Friday or something like that. Hmm. Mm, I, I feel delicious. like I need to move out of Glasgow. We're so boring. No, because Scottish food's the best in the world. It's not. It's not as interesting as this. Well, maybe it's not as adventurous in certain places, but I've had some great food in Glasgow. Yeah, we are pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, next time, next time I come to Brighton, Laura, you can introduce me to this masterpiece. It sounds like it's right up my street. Who else but the Scots would come up with Bar's Red Cola? Honestly, it's just the best thing you can drink. Yeah, this is a good. Actually, growing up in Scotland, obviously, I've never really thought about what that actually is because you you would just drink it. You would never question it. Red Cola. What is Red Cola? Like what? Is it actually red, the colour? Oh, it's it's as red as you can get. Like Iron Brew's orange? Yeah. You should have rainbow drinks there. <laughs> Pretty much, but I'm just not sure what it is. What is red cola? Well, it doesn't really taste of anything except red cola, because it doesn't taste of cola as in Coca-Cola. And it's But then cola's just like vegetable extracts anyway, well, isn't it? Doesn't it doesn't taste like that. It, it just tastes cool. like sweet red water, really. No, it doesn't. It's <laughs> sweet red water. I'm going to do a test, actually, because I wonder whether red cola weighs more or less than iron brew. And if you could put iron brew in a glass and then really, really, really slowly pour in some red cola, would it sit on the top or would it sink to the bottom? Well, one of the um, photos <laughs> that I've drinks. been wanting to take lately, you know, you've seen those coffee splash photos where people dunk something in their coffee and photograph it at high speed and you get all of the the splash off it. I want to do a Scottish one, so I might do red cola or iron brew or both at the same time. That would be a very pretty <laughs> photo, wouldn't it? It would, because it's just the best colour. Yeah. Yeah. And bars also, they make Tizer now, which was a typically kind of English drink. And now it's made in Scotland by by bars. Yeah, bars must have bought the the license for it then it must not have been doing too well in england it's not good though. wasn't tizer like a weak version of iron brew yeah it's like iron brew runoff <laughs> i don't think i've ever tasted it i want to google it i'm googling it guys i'm googling it like like a squash version of iron brew i don't like the way it looks iron brew's made in scotland from gunders Oh, I remember this advert for i remember tizer now but just seeing the guy with the top of his head cut off that's the one yeah, I totally remember this, but I have no idea what it tastes like. Our American listeners, all two or three of them, I think are scratching their heads now, thinking, don't they just drink Sprite? Do they have, like, shops where you can get British 
drinks and sweets like we have shops where you can get american drinks and sweets because maybe they could get those i don't think that they'd be allowed i think their food police would just not let them cross the border bit like kinder eggs (laughs) oh but that's 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 some strange thing about the kinder eggs it's not to do with regulations or anything because americans just have no food regulation at all do they so what was that to do with then I think it's something to do with, oh, it was something ridiculous like terrorism or something. Oh, was it something to do with the toys? No. Yeah, it's to do with the plastic yeah. toys. Apparently they're not The safe. fact that there's concealed um, things inside them. Wow. Yeah, they're just a bunch of Wendy's. Oh, they're messing out. Yeah, Kinder Eggs are great. But well, you could get the bar equivalent. Oh, but guys, can we stop talking about foods? Because I just want to eat Kinder Eggs and Cronuts. That is the problem with this podcast. I find every time I listen to it, I get hungry. It's fat Friday. But that was last time. Your episode that you two did last time was you list. You sat there and listed cake for different cakes for about five minutes, <laughs> and it was torture. So talking of cake for a minute, oh. I just want to shout out, and I'll put a link in the show notes to a young lady called Emily Jones who, she's not on Twitter, so I can't link to her Twitter, but I can link to her Facebook and her Instagram. And I don't know whether you know, because, you know, you didn't send me a card, but it's my birthday last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Happy birthday. I'm terrible. Anyway, best present I got was Alex had arranged for Emily, who was just somebody that he went to school with, who he's kept in touch with on Facebook, who now makes the most amazing cakes. Oh, I saw this cake. Yeah, it was fabulous, and it was bright green. What was well, it? It was a chocolate cake, but it was absolutely delicious, and it was moist, uh, but not too sweet, and it was covered in this green icing, which I'm not a big icing fan, you know, and I really don't like marzipan that much. Um, but this icing was, like, really, really nice, and again, not too sweet. And the best thing was that she'd put a marzipan gorilla on the top. Aww. So that was edible. Yeah, I haven't eaten him because, you know, he's a gorilla. Yeah, I was going to say, because I noticed and with the first picture, it was like a picture of the cake. And then the next picture, the gorilla was gone. And I was like, oh, he's he's eaten him. The gorilla is safe in the box so far. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. But fabulous cake. So if anybody wants to have a cake made, talking about cake, they should get Emily to make a cake. The free bit of sponsorship for Emily Jones, because it was just, I think it's the best cake I've ever eaten, ever, ever. If Emily is that talented at cakes, she should really get on Twitter and start pimping those cakes. Yeah. I think so, because actually I think that her day job or night job is that she works in Tesco and oh. kind of makes cakes on the side. But that could just be her chocky walky doodah moment, really. What does chocky walky doodah moment mean? It's a programme on the television, apparently, about cake making. Oh. I haven't seen it, but I know that it comes on... It's the name of a shop as well. I think it's the name of a shop that's in Brighton. I only know because I've seen it on the trailers in the ads of Australian MasterChef, which, of course, I watch. I feel like you guys know so much more stuff than me. What about about yeah. cake, cake TV <laughs> shows? <laughs> that useful knowledge that we have. Much. <laughs> Yeah. Let me take a little bit of time to thank our first sponsor, if I may, because it's Mac Rabbit's Espresso. They're sponsoring the show again this week. Thanks, Espresso. 
Espresso's the editor that I've used to write code every day for about as long as I can remember. And I've used it so much so often that I honestly can't imagine using anything else to write my HTML and CSS because it's got all the tools that I need to make writing and editing code simple and efficient. So I write a lot of CSS and Espresso has MacRabbit's award-winning CSS edit tools built right in. It's got CodeSense, code folding, smart snippets, and a drag-and-drop navigator that will all help you write better code in much less time. And I find myself using Espresso's project-wide find and replace quite a lot, especially when I'm moving from design into production code. And it's got quick filtering and color highlighting and makes searching the contents of files quick and easy too. Everyone's workflow is going to be slightly different, and Espresso includes a flexible workspace that will fit into yours. When you're ready to see how your work will look in a browser, Espresso includes a fantastic web preview feature so you can see how the HTML and the CSS that you're writing affects the pages that you're building. And it also visualizes things like margin and padding so you can quickly find and edit the relevant style for any element. And then when you're ready, sync and publish your work to a web server with Espresso's built-in tools. You know, I've tried other editors, but I always find myself coming back to Espresso and I just can't imagine using anything else. Espresso is available from unfinished.bz slash espresso and it's only 75 of those American dollars. You know, the ones that are like, you know, high fructose, American dollars. <laughs> but listeners of this show, they can get a fantastic 10% discount by using the coupon code unfinished at the checkout. And that's our friends at Espresso. So that's by uh, MacRabbit, isn't it? Yes. Lovely Belgian people. Do they have other products too? Or is this their like is this their flagship product then? This is their flagship product, yeah. And I've been using it for years and years and years and years. In fact, I think it's probably due for, you know, a new version soon enough. I like the icon. I say that all the time, but it's just such a pretty icon. No, it is. It's lovely. And of course, I use it because Vila Peters designed the splash screen and I'm just really yeah, shallow. Yeah, it's nice. You designers. The whole thing, the whole UI of it is really lovely. And a lot of, I see, there was a conversation on Twitter this week, people saying, which um, code editor do you prefer based on the UI? Because it does matter if you're sitting there for a lot of the time. You want something that feels and looks nice. I wrote a piece on my blog this week about sounding good when you're podcast guests sounding good like you two do oh yeah i read that i was very self-conscious today when i was setting up the room i'm sitting in <laughs> i put an extra carpet down did you <laughs> did you read it laura and think is he hinting is he like trying to hint at us that we sound terrible i think i think it's something that he can forward on to people before he invites them on just to make sure that they fit the standards no clever. that was actually exactly why i wrote it um and I've had something similar that I've been sending out to people uh, recently, but I haven't had it, you know, like in a public form. Um, and you do get, you know, every now and again, you listen to a podcast. I mean, not so much on Unfinished, you know, occasionally, but not so much. But you listen to other podcasts and you'll find that the hosts usually sound great, but they'll get a guest on and they sound like they're in a biscuit tin. Oh yeah, or the really echoey room problem that it's, they sound like they're sitting in the toilet or something. It's so bad. I listened to something not that long ago that sounded like that. And it was just so obvious when they were cutting between the host and the guest. It... So I'm not, you know, I'm not picking on anybody, but I just like it that when we talk to people on here that 
it feels as if you're listening to two people that are, you know, sitting opposite each other in the pub or, you know, on the couch or something, you know, it's as if they're in the same room. Can we do that at some point? Do you know, we ought to. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Because I've got the portable recording gear, which, uh, you know, is in a box. I haven't used it yet. Um, which I wish that I'd used for the live recording in Cardiff a few weeks ago. Because uh, to be honest, the quality of the audio on that one wasn't, uh, wasn't really up to scratch either. Is it enough to record multiple, that many people? Uh, I've got inputs for two mics on this particular box. Why um, did you buy that? Like what, what was your intention? Because I was going to take it to Iraq. Because I was going to go and do recordings of the workshop that was, that the charity was putting on over there and record interviews with the musicians and, you know, maybe some of the little orchestral sessions and things like that. So I bought it for that particular project, not for the podcast. And then, of course, I never went, so it's still sitting in a box. Yeah, we should do that when we're all next together, which is not often, but... Plan it around a conference, always the the easiest way. (laughs) So what I really wanted to say by bringing this up is that, you know, we're kind of coming to the end of this year, and, you know, I'd like to do something different maybe next year. Um, certainly in terms of hearing some new voices, you know, not that there's anything wrong with you two. Thanks. <laughs> but I think it would be nice to, to hear some, a few people that are different. Um, yeah, I like the episode you did with, uh, Benjamin Holway. Oh, I love that. That was nice getting a new voice, a young new voice on as no, well. such a great guy. Um, so that's why I thought I brought, I brought up the audio thing because, you know, maybe people should get prepared. And also I don't think it does you any harm to kind of have some of this kit sitting in the background anyway, because, you know, a lot of people talk about speaking at conferences and how do you get into it and how do you maybe, uh, you know, get conference organizers aware of how you might perform and what your speaking voice is like and that kind of thing. And actually having a decent sound set up so that maybe you can recall yourself doing some you know, some speaking that you can then put online and, and send it to people. That was a great idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. But I saw you tweet actually that you were um, contemplating the future of unfinished business. Oh, oh yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, altogether. Or was that, was that a bit ambiguous if I read into that differently? I am conscious that I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I want people to carry on enjoying it and I don't want it to feel tired. And I would rather stop while we're ahead. And we've done some really good episodes recently. I think we've done some really good episodes for two years, to be honest. Two but years. I, I know it's going to be episode 100 in a couple of weeks. Congratulations. Yeah, that's cool. But I am conscious that. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want it to feel tired and I'd like to try one or two new things here and there. So I think that I'm definitely going to carry it on next year, but I might switch things around a little bit. Might try a little different bit of, you know, a bit of a different format. Mm, that'll be interesting. Don't know what yet. Yeah. You can have a think about it over the Christmas period. Well, yeah. And it might involve doing more live things and it might involve doing more three-way things yes i don't know we shall see but if people want to 
drop me a line and say, I've got this really good idea or this really good thing that I'd like to talk about. Um, and I am set up to sound great. Then let me know. He has at unfinished.bz as somebody's already done this week, actually. Um, SAS expert and all round good bloke Ben Frain is going to be on the show in January because he just emailed me out of the blue yeah, and said, cool. I've got all the kit and I'd like to talk about something interesting. And yeah, bang, he's in, he's in the diary. So this is the whole point of this segment of the show is to encourage new voices to come forward, basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. Why not? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think people, you know, people do complain about on the conference scene, you see the same people, and I'm sure that's the same for podcasts too. So, yeah, new people, new people. I also think that, I mean, I know in the past when I've thought about who we might get to talk to on the show, that... You think, well, who have I heard on a podcast recently? So you look back through, you know, somebody else's listings going, wow, I haven't, haven't had him on the show yet. And he's going to sound great because I know that, you know, I've listened to him already. So you kind of, you do often plump for people that have, you know, you know have already got the kit and a bit of experience. Yeah. Then we, you, you'll end up with the same situation on podcasts as you do. At know, exactly. Which is why I wanted just to say, you know, look, it's not expensive. I mean, how much is, you know, a regular sort of podcast set up? 100, 150 quid? Oh, if that. I think the, I think actually the, the one of the Blue Yeti microphone, the one that I've got was on, uh, the, uh, one of the Amazon deals in the last week. So you can easily pick stuff up on and an just offer. put it through your business. Ah, yeah, it's yeah. a business expense. And this Actually. is a business podcast. <laughs> this is a business podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, have you had anybody else come forward or was that the, was that what has inspired this call for proposals? No, not really. No, it's just been something that's been in the back of my mind. Um, you know, I never wanted to do an interview show. I much prefer myself listening to podcasts that are just two people having a conversation about a topic. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily me that needs to come up with a topic. If there's just something happening and you think, who's the best person that I can speak to? So if somebody's got a burning topic that they want to talk about, then, you know, come on and talk about it. Yeah, I think as well, like, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but everybody's talking about serial podcasts. And after listening to that, the quality of that's so high, the production, the research and stuff, I think that that's definitely made me think, twice about how to how to podcast do you know what i mean no yeah. oh, i've not listened to any of it i feel i feel so but you me. have heard people talk about it right yeah i've just heard loads of people say how great it is but i have no idea what it is i just think the production value is so high have you listened to it andy no i haven't listened to it either Oh, well, you know, just listen to it to kind of get a feel for, like, the weave music in and out of it and create suspense and tension. I just think it's done really well. And yeah. Have you listened to any of the Radiolab podcasts? No. Because they that? do that so well. Jeremy Keith introduced me to them, and they they tend to talk about slightly science-y, but often, like, sociological stuff. Ooh. They have, like, short and long episodes where they talk about a particular issue, a particular experiment, some an interesting story and they have a fantastic narrative an amazing way of talking about things and weaving people's voices and music and sound into it and it's a very unique style it takes a little while to get used to but it's really great and it's fascinating you learn loads of stuff too oh, i'll check that out i would love to do more and i would love to 
be able to spend more time on, you know, research and planning as but I then know you that need a lot more of sponsors. Do. And certainly in terms of the recording um time doesn't generally take that long. But the editing time and the production time, as you know, yeah. does take a while. Um and I was actually reading something uh Casey Liss, who's one of the three guys that's on Accidental Tech Podcast. He was writing about their process, and it's generally Marco Arment, who's one of the other co-hosts on that show, that does all of the production work. So what they'll do is they'll record for generally about two hours, and then Marco will go and do like a rough edit of the show, which they will all listen to through, and they'll make show notes, and they'll make suggestions for further edits and that kind of thing. And then Marco goes back and does like a second-round edit and puts everything together and spends a lot of time on, you know, on the content and on the production, which, you know, frankly, we don't generally have time to do. No. Um, not for the, not for the level of, uh, of, of time and, you know, obviously associated costs that it takes. So that's no excuse. You know, we still want to make it sound great, but it's hard. You know, it's hard to do some of these things. Yeah, I think that that level of production is only possible if you're making a full-time living from podcasting, which of course some people do. Yeah, Not and me. I would really love to spend more time and, you know, devote more of my working week to it rather than, you know, generally just a, you know, a couple of days. Well, actually, it does take a while because it, it usually takes up a Friday afternoon, what with kind of planning and show notes and recording. And then it usually takes, um, all of Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening to get it out there. How can it mm. take that long? Like, I don't edit podcasts. How can, but how can it possibly take that long? Because since it is a conversational show, presumably you don't have to do too much cutting out. You don't have to chop out our ums and our ahs. So how does it take that length of time? I do chop out a fair bit of ums and ahs, to be honest. The worst, most noticeable ones. Yeah, and That's long what I pauses. Did, yeah. I try to make myself sound really good. No, but nobody else. Everybody else can sound crap. As yeah, long as you sound really good. good. Exactly. No, I sound very succinct and knowledgeable at all times. I, I think when I did, I put, paid particular attention to the sponsor reads to make sure that they sounded really great because they were the ones that putting the money into it. As well. If it's an hour show, it generally takes at least two hours to to actually edit. Wow, that really surprises me. But I think it's important people are aware of that instead of thinking, you know, oh, it's so easy and complaining about it. It's actually really hard work, isn't it? I think it took me longer because I was new to it as well. I think you probably speed up the more used to it you are and the quicker you get to identifying in the sound waves what where's an arm and where's an R and things like that. So you've been sounding really good on working out. Well, in what respect? Like my voice? No, you've, you seem to have really found your feet on there. I thought that it was, um, I wondered how long you'd be able to keep a single topic podcast going and you've managed to keep it fresh. And I really liked the last few that you did on, um, there was like a series that you did. Yeah, we built our app and did it live, not live, but you know, a week. We recorded it on a weekly basis and, recapped in our process i feel like i'm just not even making sense it's like friday is the new monday or something i'm a total zombie but anyway i'm glad that you think we've managed to do a good job of keeping it fresh i think that for me um going forward i would like to um 
definitely make it a lot more specific in terms of right now things can be quite general we talk about things in a very general sense like how it applies to you but it would be good to bring more of our own stories into it like what we're doing with our businesses and specific problems maybe we've encountered this week does that make sense yeah case studies are always really great i think because it's very easy to talk about things theoretically but it's interesting to hear about how they actually end up in practice yeah i think anybody can sit down and talk about things in a really general sense but what makes you different is your own experiences isn't it not everybody will have the same experiences as you i've been impressed that you've managed to stick to the schedule as well because you've done everything I i don't think you've missed a week have you since you started no, we haven't missed a week. It's been every Wednesday, boom. But it's, it's not been, like, that's been fairly, I don't think we've had too many problems, even during the summer when I was doing weddings down in England, so I was away a lot and Paddy was really busy. We still managed to get it out there, but I think that's because our episodes are quite short too. They're half an hour. So the editing process isn't as long. The recording process isn't as long. Whereas you, you know, Unfinished Business can have quite long episodes, so obviously everything takes longer. So it's not been that big a commitment, I feel. It is difficult coming up with, yeah, coming up with new topics can be difficult, but I think that's the case with blogging as well. Like, I think you're a very consistent blogger, Andy, so do you, like, have this massive list of topics that you want to talk about, or do you just do it as topics come to you? No, do you know, I am the world's worst blogger right now. I mean, I used to look at some of the people that whose blogs I read back in the day. You know, I used to look at Doug Bowman or Dan Cederholm or people like that. And when they generally stopped blogging, it was like, oh, why can they stop blogging? And I was kind of carrying on a little bit. Um, and recently, apart from, you know, one or two things every couple of weeks or promoting the show, I don't write anything anymore. Um it's hard. So actually, I'd look at people that are still doing it, people like Paul Boag, who just seems to be, you know, has this enormous kind of energy for, for writing. And somebody like Brad Frost, for example, just kind of keep, keep, keeps putting this stuff out. And I, I envy that. I just, I don't have the energy or the idealism or whatever it is, you know, I don't have those things that I need to write about this stuff right now. Maybe it's because it's such a big part of both of their businesses that Paul gets in the marketing for Headscape and Brad does consultancy. So they really rely on always seem like appearing to be on, well, I say appearing to be like they're not always showing that they're on top of the latest things, um, always having some chatter going on around them so that People know they're still there and they're still active. So I think when it's when when you when it's like that, you you've got a lot more time to you you can justify dedicating time to doing it. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And Jeremy Keith, you know, it's his job to, you know, go and speak and write and things like that. So uh I do envy those people though. Yeah, do you know, it's weird because I don't blog consistently and I don't have this theme that ties my whole blog together, yet it's still the number one referral source to my business website insurance by jack which is weird because i don't update it all that often yet it brings me the most traffic i don't know why that is i think it's probably that people get a good feel for you and your authenticity when they read what you've written and so they're more likely to go oh well 
I want to see what, what she does then. She seems like someone I could trust. Hopefully. I'd like to write a bit more though. Well, this podcast has been my kind of creative outlet, really, or, you know, it's the place where I talk about things whereas I once would have written about them. Um, and I could be, if I was being really sensible and organized, I could write about the topics that we talk about on the podcast. You know, there's yeah. often conversations that we have that, and mm. I think, oh, you know, we're going to talk about Christmas stuff in a minute. And I could easily, if I had time and inclination, write a, a, a blog post about what we do or, um, you know, the stuff that we're going to be doing for Christmas. I could write about that. But generally speaking, by the time I've got it out on the podcast, I don't want to What's write about it. Yeah, I know, boring now. <laughs> yeah. No, you should, you should do that though. I mean, sometimes, it's about doing things that aren't necessarily fun, but help help with promoting the podcast. That would help, wouldn't it? So we are totally, totally off script by now. My order, such as it was, for what we're going to talk about <laughs> has completely gone out of the window. Um, Where did but, we go wrong? Oh, we went wrong about half an hour ago. Oh, okay. This always happens with both with either of us, I think, yeah. So it's it's going to be December on Monday by the time that this goes out. Um, and it has to be out because I'm going to go to Oslo on Tuesday for the week. Amazing. Oh, I know, it's going to be good. I'm teaching uh, a, a workshop, a CSS workshop in Oslo on Wednesday. So I'm going out there on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to that. Instagram it. Which means that it is just four shopping weeks till Christmas. Oh. I know, big groans. But, you know, with the whole Christmas thing, I guess my big question is, do you decorate your working space with Christmas crap at Christmas time? Christmas crap? You know, bits of oh, tinsel. So you are a total <laughs> humbug then, aren't you? I don't like to decorate my working space with any Christmas gear. No, I, I have it set up the same all year round. Yeah, well, so do I, but I, I don't, I don't decorate my, my home office or anything like that with Christmas decorations, but I'm also not one of those people that gets really annoyed when I start seeing Christmas decorations and the, and shopping centers and, oh, Christmas adverts <laughs> on the TV already. That stuff, it doesn't bother me. I love Christmas, but I don't decorate my office. Do you, Laura? I don't. I love the festivity generally, but I, I actually, I don't even decorate the house anymore, um, which sounds more bar humbug than it means to be. But I do. I went to the gym yesterday and I noticed they had a Christmas tree and I did sniff because I was like, oh, it's only November. <laughs> it's still November. The, the, but then the rule in my house growing up was that we didn't do Christmas decorations until after the 16th of December because that was my sister's birthday and we didn't want her to feel like, her birthday was taken over by Christmas. That makes sense. There are three Christmas trees in our building at work. That's right. You're in a proper office now. Yeah, I mean, not in our office. No, everything is is, is as minimal as it always is. Um, but outside, it's a totally different thing. They've got like, three kind of big trees that they've put up. Have they cut out those snowflakes out of paper and stuck them on all the glass? Uh, no, I haven't spotted any of that. And I haven't spotted any just random tinsel either. Spray on snow? None of that, no. That's the thing. I like um, Christmas decorations, but I'm incredibly fussy about um, them being tasteful, which is something I've got from my mother. She always used to, we used to drive past the big Christmas tree in town, and she used to make us all say, 
one, two, three tacky presents on the Christmas tree. <laughs> she's a snob. <laughs> I'm not generally worried about Christmas decorations in general. I just don't like it when people all of a sudden start sellotaping tinsel to their screens. And oh, I don't do tinsel at all. No, tinsel is there. Well, I think that's one of the ones that I'm not keen on. Right now, I'm I'm on Twitter right now, and somebody that I follow, Generation Y, has just tweeted, this is how we do Christmas in our office, and it looks like Santa's grotto. That, okay, that is too much. Wow. (laughs) Isn't that distracting from work? You have no idea what my eyeballs are seeing right now. It it just looks, (laughs) it looks so distracting. Yeah. My friend Dan, he posted a, a photo of his workspace the other day. Um, he's joined a new agency in Manchester and oh my God, I looked at this picture. I took one look at this picture and I thought I couldn't work there. Uh, the way that they've got things set up is they've got desks that are all kind of in a row. So there's very little space. In fact, no space between people. All of these desks kind of butt together and then there's two rows. So, you know, I'm looking at Dan's first row and then there's another row facing it behind. Um, and just people have so much crap around them on their desks. I mean, not like, you know, just half a dozen mugs that they need to wash up, but just stuff is so untidy. I would go completely insane if I had to work next to people that are really untidy. Oh, you'd hate my desk. <laughs> oh yeah. You posted a picture of it recently, fairly recently. There was a workspace, um, someone did a blog post of different people's workspaces, you know, as they do. And, uh, mine was pretty messy. Just like, mostly those like things like an extra laptop, a pile of books, a load of devices, um, millions of cables, but in that nice cable tidy, um, and vitamins and other strange things like that, that I just need in front of me. Otherwise I forget them. Does it look like that every day? Yeah, unless I specific, I try and do a tidy up once a week to make sure I'm just clearing all the unnecessary junk away. Otherwise, I end up with a pile of books about eight or nine high on to my left, which is a little bit it gets in the way. I don't know. I'm a bit like Andy in that I think that if, I don't know. I think for a kind of clear mind, you've got to have a clear desk. Is that how you feel, Andy? Yeah, and I'm really lucky because designer Sue is just as much of a neat freak as I am. So it gets to the end of every day and you know, before we leave the office, everything gets tidied away. So you walk back in the following morning and everything just looks perfect. That's nice. I like that. Oh, you'd have a heart attack if you came into our office. <laughs> we have things all over the wall as well. We have all those static whiteboard sheets and we've just got writing all over the it, it If you didn't understand what the stuff said, you'd think they were just a load of people that were losing their minds in that office. I don't mind that kind of stuff when you're working. I mean, actually, that whiteboard material, I think, is great, but I much prefer that um, roll-on, peel-off whiteboard, temporary whiteboard stuff, than actually having fixed whiteboards all over the walls. Like, oh, yeah, that's what we've got. We use that stuff. I think that it'd be sounds fine amazing. if you're engineers. Yeah, no, it's brilliant, actually. I'll put a link in the show notes, but Alex turned me on to it. In fact, they used it at, um, at Mark Bolton Design. I remember seeing it there for the first time. It's like kind of uh, whiteboard on a roll. Yeah, it's really great because you can just cover a whole wall in it and then just draw all over the walls. Alex papered his entire house with it when he had uh, when he had a student house. He had it literally all over the house. So wherever he was, he could just write notes so he didn't forget things. I need this in my life. Can we get them to sponsor the show? <laughs> what, so you can get a free roll? Well, so I can get a discount. 
<laughs> it's not expensive. That's the thing. It's really cheap as well. It's not like, you know, people have that really expensive paint so that they can actually write on the walls or yeah. do chalk on the walls. But it's, it's, it's like 13 quid a roll. Yeah, or it's really not, wow. it's not dear. I'm getting some. No, I like to kind of have everything neat and tidy. And when something comes in and interrupts it, like, what do you do with Christmas cards? Because, you know, I'm not a big Christmas card fan, to be honest. Well, they don't go in the office, though. Well, but when somebody sends them to to your work, you know, or one office sends it to another, one company sends it to another company, it's like, hi. (laughs) Christmas greetings from Stuff for Nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think, I think you're being really miserable, Andy. I think, come on, it's like two or three weeks of the year that you're going to have a Christmas card sitting out on your table. Big deal. Do you not get, you can get those stylish hangers, which are like sort of long ribbons that you can just tape them to so you can have them hanging down the walls. Yeah, we don't have those. <laughs> you just don't even celebrate celebrate Christmas, do you? No, I do like Christmas, actually. I'm, I'm a, I'm, you know, I don't like to generally sit there in a party hat when it's not Christmas, but you know, Christmas comes along. Um, oh, and I found out a bit of a uh, bit of follow up from last week when I was talking to Brendan, because we couldn't figure out what those things that you blow in at Christmas, what they're called. You know, the things that are like a bit of plastic. That, oh yeah. Yeah. And then there's, they're just party. They're blowers, called, that's they? what they're called. They're called party blowers, but me and Bren couldn't figure out what they were called. Uh, I got. I've got to listen to the rest of that episode and hear you attempt to describe that so, without using the actual word. Thank you, Internet, for telling us what they are. Did um, Did you guys look at the link that I that I sent you of the Christmas decorations in the office that I was talking about? Yes, it looked like it would really hurt your head. All those fairy lights. Oh, you. D- I can't imagine that's good for your your brain, your eyesight. It does look like Santa's grotto, doesn't it? I'm just having a look at that now. So do you, do you both send out Christmas cards to people then? If you don't like receiving them, do you send them out? We do send a very, very select few, um, but only to people who we think will expect one, which generally tends to be other people that send them out. You know, like your, your, your larger organisations. I think the etiquette for Christmas cards um, is supposed to be if someone sent you one, three years ago, um, then that's the cutoff point where you don't have to send them one. But if they sent one to you in like the last two years, then you're supposed to send one. Um, that's like, that's like the Debrett's thing. <laughs> don't ask me how I know that. Well, I did, um, before the podcast, I am, I've done like a little bit of before the podcast, my, my podcast with Paddy, I had worked with Paddy, like I'd hired him to do some design work for me. And I remember him on two ye- two years in a row, he designed his own Christmas cards and sent them to me. And I really enjoyed receiving that because it was personal. You know, he did the design and it just made me feel like he, I don't know, it made me feel like an appreciated client. So, but I, I used to do that. It, I can imagine it does take a lot of work. We've never done that. I mean, as designers, maybe we should have done, but because I'm not really a graphic designer, we've never really got into that, you know, and I never, I never felt that it was my thing. I've just sent you both links the, to the two Christmas card designs the years I did them. But the first year I was really good and I was very strict with myself and I sent them out to all my clients and, um, 
it took me ages, but I was really pleased with it. The second year, I designed them all. I got them all printed, but then I ran out of time and didn't have time to send them out to anyone. And I still have them in a box somewhere. Um, I could probably use them at some point because they're not particularly dated, but that was the year I was like, well, I'm not going to do that next year. I, I like the penguin. I wasted all that effort. It's very cute. So you didn't put on them happy Christmas 2011? <laughs> no. Because that would date. Yeah, quite or happy happy Christmas and New Year 2011. Wow, you can draw really well. What we do is we don't tend to send a lot of cards and we don't do gifts for people anymore. Years ago, um in fact up until sort of fairly recently, we would actually send the clients that we'd worked with in a particular year. I mean not ones going back, you know, donkey's years, but the half a dozen to a dozen clients that we'd worked with in that kind of previous calendar year and all of the freelancers and other people that we'd done business with, we'd send them something, you know, and that could just be some really nice chocolates or something like that. Um, but what we've been doing most recently is sending a, a charity donation on behalf of specific clients. Yes. So we, this year it's going to be save the children. Because uh, there's so many competing things that, you know, you could give your money to. And we're quite s- specific about not making it about gorillas. Yeah, it's quite, it could be quite a political choice really as well. We don't want to make it about us or necessarily about me, um, you know, my opinions or my likes or dislikes. So we don't do gorillas. Um, and Save the Children tends to have such a, you know, a wide range of, of, of things that they cover. Um, that it seemed like a good choice this year. So we will make a donation of a certain amount per client and then we'll, uh, email them. We did, we did do a, a thing a few years ago. Lots of charities have this, uh, kind of e-card facility on their website. So you can go on and you can make a donation per client and then it will send an e-card out saying, you know, it's basically a, you know, an electronic Christmas card, but mentions the donation. And we did this a couple of years running, and not only are those websites so bloody awful to use, but 99% of those e-cards got stuck in people's spam. Oh, that defeats the point. And some of them were even flash. You know, they'd take you to a link, and then you click on the link, and it would be a flash. Lord knows why. Yeah, good luck opening that on your iPhone. So what we did, and we, we would phone people up and say, did you, um... Did you get the card by any chance? Because it wasn't just like a you know terrible e-card. There was the donation thing there as well. And they go, no, let me just check in my spam. Oh, there it is. And it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it defeats the whole purpose. So you you don't do that anymore. No, now we just make a donation in a different way, just like using the regular thing. And then we'll just send a nice kind of email out to people saying, this is what we've done and thanks for working with us and have a happy Christmas. And that seems to go down well. Yeah, I think that's a really great idea. Yeah, yeah, it's very classy. I might steal that from you. Let's do another sponsor. Um, And this is going to give you a chance, Ashley Baxter, of Mm -hmm. figuring out what the Scottish slang word of the week is going to be. I think I've got one. Okay. So our next sponsor is the Dot York Conference. And it's taking place on the 9th of April, 
2015 at the Grand Opera House in York. And it's a digital conference for curious minds and for anyone who's involved in making things for the web. And they've got great speakers in their lineup. They really do. They've got a designer whose past work includes Dropbox and Code Academy and Treehouse, the coincidentally named Alison House, <laughs> author of Psychology for Designers, Joe Leach, award-winning digital artist who's just been everywhere recently, uh, Sebley Delisle. He's hilarious. He's lovely. Some lady called Anna Debenham. <laughs> heard her name before. Not quite sure what she does. <laughs> And my old mate, Brendan Dawes, and they'll all be there and a lot more. And like the best conferences, Dot York is a single track. And even though the ticket prices are just so incredibly reasonable, they're running it as a not-for-profit, which means that any money that they make from the event, from the conference, from the workshops, means that they can do more to support the industry in York, which is a really good thing, and it's a really beautiful city. Tickets are on sale now, and they're priced at just £110. And students and under-18 tickets, they're free. That's brilliant. Which is a lovely thing to do. So I really hope that students and young people are going to go and support the event. Plus, if you're not a student and you are over 18, you can still get a 10% discount off the standard ticket price with the offer code UNFINISHED. And... They're doing some workshops too, which they announced last week. Uh, they're doing a CSS architecture workshop with uh, Harry Roberts. So you can learn about curd. <laughs> Sebley Delisle is doing a creative JavaScript workshop. Uh, Kia Whitaker is doing a workshop all about Shopify. And you, Ashley Baxter. Me, that's me. You're doing a photo walk. And a workshop. Oh, I didn't realise that. Wow. Yeah, that should be exciting. Oh, can I come? Of course. If I'm I buy a ticket. I think I might come. Yeah. I th they they asked me if I wanted a ticket, and I, I was like, oh, I'll have to see what I'm doing. But actually, I think as well, to come to your workshop, that would be so cool. Yeah, come, bring your pals. Bring, bring Oscar. So I'm having a look at the page now. Only 10 places available to your photo <gasps> workshop. The workshop will cover technical basics of your camera, composition, exposure, light, the photo walk around York, photo management workflow, how to organize your photos, post-processing techniques, and post-processing photos from the photo walk. And that's 10 till 4. Yeah, so this is kind of aimed towards, obviously, beginners. Um, people like myself who, obviously I'm not a beginner anymore, but I bought a DSLR and I just expected it to do the work for me. And I had it for about a year and a half, two years before I even put it on manual and learned how to use it. So people like that, maybe bought a camera, you want to learn how to use it, you just haven't got around to it yet. It should be a good day. And I love York. That's me. I'm, I'm that person. Yeah. I have a camera. I don't know how to use it. I, oh, I've got to come. Yeah. All right. It's going to be my Christmas present to myself. Okay. That I made this workshop for people like you. The cost of your workshop is 150 pounds. That's a bargain. Which is a bargain for a whole day. So, um, yeah, you should sell 10 tickets very easily. Well, you've sold two here. Well, there you go. Should sell eight, eight very easily. 
And it will be a generally a wonderful event because we were both there last year and Jonica and Rick work so hard to make it great and they're such good people. And I was involved with, I just talked to them about it right when they had the first idea of doing the first one. And they just, they're doing it for all the right reasons and they really take care of people that go there. So it's it's going to be brilliant. Good. Yeah. Well, you can buy your ticket. Don't wait until April. Certainly not for workshops. Buy a ticket now. Go to unfinished.bz slash dot york. So I'll spell that one out. It's D-O-T-Y-O-R-K. And get your ticket to next year's dot york. And then let's all go for a wee coconut beer afterwards. Right, Ashley Baxter. What is Ashley Baxter's Scottish slang word of the week? Well, I think that this word will be good because it kind of describes how I'm feeling today, or if if it means what I think it means um, when I've heard it used. I'm going to stop rambling. Oh, what if it's not a Scottish word? Anyway, glake it. That's a new one. I've not heard it. <laughs> I love the silence <laughs> there. Um, so the way that I would interpret that as being like a bit, like a, a bit of a blank expression, a bit... Uh, not fully there. That's that's me today. So how would you say it in a sentence then? What's the context? Well, just, you know, she looks a bit glacet. She's a Ooh. bit glacet. Can can you say it in your English accent? She looks a bit glacet. And actually, now why am I doing it? Laura should do it. <laughs> but how do you spell it? Oh, how do you spell any weird Scottish words? I don't know. Um... Right, okay, maybe G L A I C K I T. I've made that up, but okay. So it'd be yeah, that Ashley. She looks a bit glaked. <laughs> that sounds hilarious. You in say my that accent. so elegantly. I know. <laughs> yeah. So that's the Scottish word of the day. It's a bit like when Southerners come up north and they're reading road signs and they say things like Barnsley and. <laughs> And, uh, How? What are you meant to say? Barnsley. Oh, instead of Barnsley. Yeah, or Clitheroe. They say Clitheroe. Oh, let's go. Let, we're going past Clitheroe. <laughs> yeah, place names are a funny one. We have, well, in fact, Andy, you know, because you were working in the office there, um, Govan. Yeah. But a lot of people say Govan. What did you say when you saw it? Govan. Oh, ah, well, good for you. Yeah, no, I can localise. Okay. <laughs> we have loads of weird spellings of, of all different place names, so you never know what's the right way to say it. That's the whole thing about the English language. It's just guessing. Yeah, and then when you come into Scotland and you start going to certain places, not only do you have the weird place names, but they also translate them into Gaelic. So it just gets crazy. Oh, I love that, though. I love that when I go to Wales. I'm really annoying whoever I'm with by <laughs> attempting to pronounce all of the Welsh words for everything in all the signs. Some of them are really, really, really long. As it's four of our shopping weeks until Christmas, and then not too long after that is going to be the new year, I thought that it would be a good idea just to spend a few minutes talking about we know what we've done for this year, a little bit of a summing up, and probably, you know, what's going to be our goals for next year, and what are we going to be up to? Gosh. What's going to be different? I mean, you've been doing a lot, Ashley, with Insurance by Jack over this year. This has been your new thing, hasn't it? 
Yeah, and I've come really far just recently in terms of getting very close to my goal because what I ultimately wanted was to um, really bring a fresh perspective to the quoting and buying part of insurance because I think it's overly complicated. And I seem to like have met a lot of obstacles along the way in making that happen, but I'm happy to confirm that I currently have a team of designers and developers locked away in a room um, building <laughs> the first prototype of a really slick quoting system. And yeah, within the next few months, things should really start moving along and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm inching ever so slowly towards my big goal. So this year has been really good in that respect. And obviously it's nice to kind of finish the year off on such a high note and then go into next year with making it become a reality. Um, so that's where I'm at. That's so exciting. It's so exciting. And you've been doing, you know, promotion through doing the podcast. Has that yeah. been your main kind of advertising outlet? Yeah, I mean, I think things, because I've been concentrating on other things recently, my promotion has kind of slipped by the wayside. Um, but yeah, the, my, my, like I said, my blog brings through uh, traffic. The podcast has been really good. This podcast as well. And I've just appeared on it a couple of times this year, but people have specifically said that they heard me on unfinished business and that's why they got their insurance from me. So podcasting has been a really big help. Um, not allowed to remember I tr dabbled in Twitter, um, Twitter advertising. Yes. Well, I'm not allowed to anymore, so couldn't go any further with that. Why aren't you allowed to? Why? Just because they were, they were just like, eh, insurance, eh. And, um, yeah, they're just not allowed because of the, the nature of the subject, insurance. So unfortunately not able to explore that avenue. Tried a little bit of Facebook advertising and stuff, but to be honest, just find that the paid stuff never does convert that well. And it's really just things like this when you're talking about your business and your goals that, that really actually convert, doesn't it? Well, I think that you can make a decent business and a fair amount of money by talking to your audience and dealing with a certain group of people and you know our actual even our small corner of the industry you know is a reasonable size and if you were to just get i don't know if you were to get 200 of all the people that we know to buy their insurance from you you'd be laughing yeah can we do that so you become the person where web geeks or design geeks go to buy the their insurance um, and that would be a cool thing. And that would be, you know, perhaps one of your kind of aspirations really is just to sort of move a little bit closer in and focus a little bit more on developing that as the, as the kind of the, the cornerstone of your marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I've got so many ideas for cool things to do next year like i really do want to create this little community oh in fact a good example you 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 both know rachel shellcock and she recently yeah. launched the freelancers hub yes and yeah and she's seen a big uptake in that and people freelancing is a lonely lifestyle people do look for that community i think it'd be nice to create that around um insurance by jack considering all of my customers are doing the same things and all designers and developers and and, um, yeah, so that would be good. Um, I always say I'm not, I'm not here to sell you insurance. I'm here to help your small business. Well, the thing that, that I always cheesy. think, 
it is a bit cheesy, actually. We need to talk <laughs> about your tagline at some point. Um, the thing that I always think is that I like to buy things. Often I like to buy things that I don't need. You know, I buy, I buy whatever magazines Elliot J. Stocks puts out because, you know, I just like to support him and independent magazine publishers. And he does a great job. And I, re- I always read the stuff. Sometimes it just goes on the shelf, but I like to do that. I did the same thing with the manual, right? Um, that, Andy, oh God, please. McMillan. Andy McMillan did. Now, you know, I've got to be honest, I've got all of those. I haven't read a single one of them. Oh, they're great. They're just sitting on my shelf. I buy the beautiful letterpress prints that Cameron Moll makes, um, including the one where Brooklyn is spelt wrong. Now, I haven't (laughs) actually got those up on the wall yet. They've all been sitting in a tube for a year or two. But, you know, people like to buy from people, and particularly people that they know that they think are doing a really nice job and making really nice things. And, you know, people should want to buy their insurance from Insurance by Jack just for that same reason. Well, I'm obviously biased, but I agree with you. But on a similar note, um, I, I, I'm actually on the um, the indie page right now after reading your blog post, Laura, because I really want to support you as a person, because I, I like you, Laura. Thank you. Well, that's why I'm I'm your client yeah, as well. Yeah, cool. <laughs> because I read your post this morning as well, um, and I thought that it was great. You were talking about what you're doing very much from a, a personal point of view rather than just a, I don't know what the right word is, but kind of campaign manifesto point of view. You know, you weren't kind of banging the drum for indie necessarily. You were saying, I really believe in the things that we're doing, and these are the reasons why I'm doing it, and I, I really like that. Yeah, well, that's what I, I've been intending on writing some of that for a long time because I feel like I've gone very quiet um, on Twitter and things like that because I've just been spending so much of my time and energy working on indie and um, it's a big change for me going from being full-time freelance for six years or so to suddenly being full-time in a company with other people, even though we're still really small. And, um, and then suddenly working on a crowdfunding campaign, which is something I've never done before and trying to raise money. And that's something I'm terrible. I'm, I'm so British. I'm terrible at trying to promote things. <laughs> I just, I feel so embarrassed and awkward. And so just, uh, yeah, trying to get people to understand why we're trying to make these uh, alternative technologies and why it's important and why privacy is important on the web and in technology in general. It really, it's it can be a very hard sell as well and so it's a, a whole new thing for me so hopefully by christmas we we should hit our funding campaign i think we're at 82% at the moment and we want to get 100,000 dollars and uh, so next year we should be well, we're already starting making things but we should be really in the full flow of making stuff and producing products that people can use to own their own data and that's the idea so i'm i'm excited about it but it's scary new so doing all of these new things um you put a video out fairly recently i saw and there's obviously been the the crowd funding campaign and things like that now you you didn't do advertising marketing you know you've not come from that background have you no not at all so you must have learned a massive amount about how to do things oh yeah completely it's and we're we're very much feeling our way around what feels like the right way of doing it rather than necessarily what we're learning from how someone else does it we're trying to do it what the right way for us is um, because we're not 
big so we don't need we don't want to i think a lot of people when they're starting out they try to pretend that they're big and look impressive and things like that and we're just trying to say well we're us and this is what we're trying to do and these are our intentions and we'll probably make a few mistakes but hopefully we'll do more things right and we're likely to change our minds we need to be flexible to um, fit the industry that we're in and so it's just sort of like will you take a punt on us will you trust us and because we want to do the right thing by people do you know what interests me i feel like obviously i've just spoken about how my wee goal is to improve the quoting and buying experience online and trust me when i say for insurance and trust me when i say that i really want that that really excites me and it's important to me but see if it didn't pan out i would just be like okay i have other things that i can pursue i feel like with you guys this is all or nothing like you are in this like this is huge and it's all or nothing isn't it i mean so yeah. much is on the line it's a the whole thing is we have the conversation of what do we do if we don't raise enough money in the crowdfunding well it's not one of those crowdfunding campaigns where we don't do it we'll do it no matter what we'll find a way we'll find a way of making the money to make this work because these are things that we feel need to exist we need people need to have a way of keeping their data private and not sharing it with all of these third parties all the time. And so we're going to make it no matter what. Oh, I love the passion. Don't you just? Yeah. Well, it's very, it's very infectious in this office. Uh, that's the great thing. We have a, a great team of four people who all feel exactly the same way and we push each other into it. No, well, I like that. I like the fact that um, you want to stand for something. You know, you want to, um, you've obviously got an opinion and, you know, everybody says everyone has an opinion, but, you know, to have such a sort of strong belief in something and to stand behind it in the way that you do, I wish that more people would be like that, to be honest. Yeah, I think more people need to try to make the world that they want to live in because a lot of people are quite happy to sit by and hope that someone else does it for them. And I know that, you know, you're not going to please everybody and, you know, people are going to disagree with either it or the approach that you take to it um, and that kind of thing. But I, I think the fact that you are finding ways to kind of express that opinion, I mean, you're talking about a, a crowdfunding campaign now um, as opposed to, for example, selling a product, but that communicating, you know, that figuring out how to get that message across, um, I really like the fact that, that you're kind of experimenting with that um, because that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in right now. You know, I'm, I'm getting less and less interested in the mechanics of web design and much, much more interested in, you know, what got me started in the business in the first place, which is how do you design something that actually communicates a message to somebody? Yeah, it's, it absolutely is getting to the core of the problem. And how do you, how do you get someone to understand a complicated argument or a complicated situation? How do you make something easy to understand? And it's a great communication skill to be able to do that. And it does mean a lot of iterating, which is the great thing about the web is you can keep doing things again and again and making it better. It's not in print. It's not set in stone. Um, and every time we get some feedback from someone that says, oh, I don't quite understand what you mean by that, we can work out a better way of saying it. It's a, yeah, it's hard work, but it's very rewarding. 
What about you, Andy? What are you pumped about? What are you stoked about? <laughs> See what I did there. Oh, God, no, don't <laughs> say things like that. Oh, and on Black Friday as well, you have to bring up the Americanisms. Sorry about that. But what, what are your goals? I've got a little bit of a redesign in mind for the stuff site because I want to move our position a little bit. I mean, we make websites for people or we design websites for people more. We don't make as many as we did, but we design websites for people. Um, so we're not a marketing agency and we're not an advertising agency, but at the same time, we are not website builders or developers. You know, you sometimes get a brief through and it's, you know, highly technical and somebody wants something building in PHP and MySQL. And I know that there are lots of people out there that can do that kind of thing. And I'll usually put them towards uh, our friends at Mud or Cloud4 or other people. You know, I'll refer somebody else when it's that kind of job. Because actually what I think is there's a real need for is really thinking about what it is that we're communicating to people through the web. And I've become incredibly frustrated with all of the conversations that we've been having in the web industry recently, which is all about, you know, process or tools or technical this or product design. I mean, these are all valuable conversations to have, but somewhere along the line, we forgot about communicating. You know, we forgot about selling. You know, we forgot about why should somebody want to buy something from Insurance by Jack? Not just the kind of like, well, here's three products that you might want to buy. You know, here's, you know, insurance A, B, and C. You know, that's that kind of stuff is you see that all the time on the web. But actually that kind of emotional connection that makes somebody want to aspire almost to buy their insurance from Insurance by Jack or make them feel that they have an affinity for the company. Why should somebody want to uh, put their money behind Indy? What is it that creates that kind of emotional or intellectual connection? Which, you know, these are all the things that go into marketing and all the things that go into advertising. And that's the stuff that I want to get more and more involved with. And we've been doing it over the last sort of year or so. Um, we've been doing a hell of a lot more copywriting for people, a lot more art direction. Um, we've been, you know, we've been writing taglines. You know, I haven't written taglines in 20 years. Mm, you should, can you write a tagline for both Laura and I? Well, not off the top of my head, no. <laughs> okay. That's the kind of thing that I've become really interested in and just trying to find ways. For example, we, um, we worked with a company not too long ago. They're a Drupal development company. And uh, I'm sure they won't mind me talking about this. Uh, they're called Full Fat Things. That's the name of the company. And they're a group of really brilliant Drupal developers that set up a few years ago. They called themselves full fat things for a reason that not really any of them can understand uh, or remember. And they wanted us to, to help them design the website. Well, most of what we actually ended up doing was thinking about branding and thinking about communication. And they didn't have anything which tied their communications together in any kind of coherent or consistent way. For example, they talked quite a lot about software that pulls its own socks up. That was one of their kind of favorite phrases, Yeah. which 
doesn't really relate to a company that's called Full Fat Things at all. In fact, they couldn't really remember why they were called Full Fat Things in the first place. So what our job was, and we spent about a week working on this, was to actually try to figure out a strategy almost um, to think about, well, what does being full fat actually mean? And after a while of thinking about it, we realized that if something's full fat, it means that things haven't been taken away. You know, it's not been skimmed. Yeah. Not necessarily about things being bad for you, you know. Basically, it's the whole thing. And we ended up with a tagline, which was all Drupal, no half measures. That Mm. was the tagline. That's nice. And that basically means that the company, they don't compromise on quality. They don't compromise on, you know, the time they spend with the clients. Everything that they talk about can be talked about in relation to being the whole thing. We wrote a, a plan for them. I mean, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of rewriting all of their website copy. Um, and everything has to kind of just connect back to that one truth about the company, which is it's all Drupal, no half measures, which means nothing's been taken away. And every, so the software that pulls your socks up, that's gone. Cause that's like, you know, we're, we're kind of mixing analogies there. Mm. Um, and everything has to be kind of consistent to this to this brand strategy. And I love doing that kind of stuff. And that's what I want to focus on next year. Yes, we're going to carry on making websites because we don't want to, you know, we're not a marketing agency or a branding agency. Um, I think we can kind of introduce a bit more creative thinking into, in, in, into the web. And like I say, I get very frustrated that the conversations that everyone seems to be having is not about this kind of stuff. It's not about creativity. And I want to do more of that. So that's why we're going to kind of, you know, we're going to just re-engineer ourselves a little bit to focus on those things in the new year. That sounds like it'd be a great topic of conversation in the podcast as well, because yeah. it's re- it's so relevant to business, understanding branding, understanding communication. It's, it's relevant to everyone and to better understand how you're putting yourself is a really great thing. Well, you know, we talked about the Dot York conference uh, earlier on. And, you know, I look at their website and, you know, there's so much competition now, so much competition in website conferences, you know, web design conferences or development conferences. I mean, there's millions of the buggers. And, you know, not to put a downer on .york because, you know, they just paid for a sponsorship. But I look at this particular website and I see, you know, I see a list of speakers presented in circles i see a picture of a presumably a happy smiling audience from last year and it kind of looks like every other conference website that you might look at and i i would be wanting to have a conversation with them about what is it that you stand for and how can you communicate that to make people want to go to your event more than you know the hundreds of others that are out there and jeremy and i had this conversation about the deconstruct website earlier on in the year yeah. As well about, you know, what is it that you're actually saying? And Jeremy, you know, in his own sweet way, you know, he doesn't like conversations about advertising, but you know, that's what we're doing. You know, yeah. When you look at an ad, it's no different to looking at this homepage from the dot York website. What is it there? You know, would be different or makes you want to aspire to go into this event. Yeah. And I think you'll do a great job of that. Well, it's what I've been talking about over the last sort of 
few weeks at a couple of conferences and I'm going to be talking about it in a similar way, uh, next year at a few things. And yeah, I'd like, I'd like it to, I'd like to just open up a conversation about maybe how we could be a little bit more creative, um, and think more about these things. That sounds really interesting. I'll have to make sure I go to one of the conferences you speak at. Well, come to Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, I'll just jump on a plane. <laughs> well, I'm going to be at Smashing Conference in LA, but slightly closer to home. I'm also going to be at Reasons 2 in London in February. Oh, that is much closer. And also, the first version of that talk is now online um, from uh, Beyond Telerand. They did uh, a video of the talk and posted it yesterday. Yeah, nice. Give that a watch then. Put a link in the show notes. Do you know, we should really wrap it up. I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah. It's all that talking about cake earlier. Yeah. yeah. So listen, you two, thank mm. you. Thank you so much for being a part of Unfinished Business this year. You've been like a really big part of it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. And not just because you took, o- took it over for a month while I was sitting on a deck chair in the south of France. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. So thanks for that. And do you want to come back next year? Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. We can make that happen. So to ask questions and suggest topics, people can message this show on Twitter at unfinishedbz, or they can email me. He has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were Mac Rabbits Espresso and the fabulous dot York conference 2015. As always, you can support our show by supporting them and buying them a Yorkshire pudding burger. Hmm. Is, are you guys still there? Yeah, no, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're politely listening to you. <laughs> I, I was just worried that my internet died. It does that in Glasgow sometimes. 